Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning to those online, too. My name is Dennis Sandberg, and I'm one of the blessed elders here at uh, RLC. I get to uh, be part of the team and, and fill in while Pastor Jeff is healing, continue to pray for his healing. Um, wasn't praise and worship awesome this morning? God's word says that we're to put on the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. We live in a world that tends to put such heaviness on everyone with everything going on and what's going the wrong way. The latest poll says this, and the latest poll says that. Take time to put on the garment of praise. You will feel the Lord rising up within you. It's so great to lie down in green pastures, experience still waters, experience the true comfort and confidence that God is in control. Amen? Amen. So if we could uh, bow our heads to pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Father God, that you will allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I believe and I trust God to allow all of you that have ears to hear, to allow you to hear some pieces of truth that will impact your lives and move you more towards God and the life that he desires each of us to walk to, which is life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was so blessed to, having been raised by uh, a great family. I, I have an older brother, and, a, and, and I'm a tw I have a twin sister, too. I'm actually a twin. And, but my, my dad, here's a photo of my dad and I uh, before he went on to the Lord in 2014. And there's some things that, that my dad put into my life and I observed that were so um, godlike. And he was the type of person who, who in the wintertime, um, I, I grew up just south of Buffalo, and in the wintertime, he'd be the person that would go early to church to make sure all the walks were shoveled so that, so that everybody could, could get there um, w without having to tramp through the snow. And during the summertime, he was the one that would, would, would go in and, and take the, the windows, and, and we didn't have air conditioning, we had, to, we had to crack them, and he would make sure there was a nice breeze blow, blowing, and, you know, he'd, he'd be the one at, 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 at the church that I grew up in, they used to have a coffee hour before church started, so that might have been just to keep you awake during the long service, but they would have these big 100-cup percolators that would take about an hour to brew. So my dad would be the one to make sure he was there an hour before to make sure the coffee was ready to go. But um, my, my experience, too, with my dad, uh, there, there was an event um, as men that we went to back in the 1990s called Promise Keepers. And it was a men's event that was held at various stadiums. And uh, uh, the group here at our church, we took a, a bus trip to Washington, D.C. for one of the first Promise Keepers. It was very a very blessed event. 
But I was so excited because they were encouraging people to, uh, there's a lot of fathers and, and, and sons there. And I just encourage fathers to do something with your sons. You know, it could be as simple as going to a movie or going to a ball game, but it's so important, the impression that you have as a father on your son, and it's important that you get together. But um, the following year, I was really excited to um, invite my, my dad. The, the Promise Keeper event happened to be in, in Buffalo. Uh, they, they were at the stadium where the Buffalo Bills play, and it was an outdoor stadium. So we were, we were on our way there, and... Um, it just started to rain, and it's an outdoor facility. And I can remember just just sitting here looking at my dad, and and the praise and worship team was about ready to come up, and it, and and it started raining harder. And I'm looking at this guitar player with you know it's a lot of electricity, and I'm wondering you know is this guy gonna really play this instrument? And and it was it was raining, and and I looked at my dad, and he's wondering whether they're gonna cancel the event. And, and, and he just, this, get, this praise and worship team came out and they just, they started playing the first note and the rain stopped and there was a rainbow that appeared. It was like, it, it was what, like what Miss Lynn would call a God sighting. And it was just, it was just a really cool experience. Um, at, at the end of that event, I was, I was, I had been praying that my, my, my dad would go forward to, to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and it, it, it just wasn't the right time. But I, I do believe that, you know, what you sow, you're going to reap. It's really important that, and, you know, I'm, I'm reminding of our, our, our life care groups that meet. Um, in, in the time of prayer, we have a, a, a prayer box, and in that prayer box, we encourage members to put and list the names of family members that are unsaved, and we pray for that. And so I think it's really important if you have uh, unsaved loved ones, you know, take the time and, and just have a point of contact where you're praying for their salvation because God is faithful. And, and so the following year, um, the Promise Keepers was coming to Syracuse, and my dad really enjoyed it, so he wanted to come again. And so we, we had a great time. And when it came time for the, for the invitation at the end, it was so cool that the praise and worship team came up there and they played my father's favorite song, which was called The Old Rugged Cross. And just when my, my dad would hear that and he saw that, it just softened his heart and he looked at me and I looked at him and we walked forward and he gave his life to God. And it was just a, a fantastic um, experience in my life. Um, it really impacted me and and... You know, my, my dad was just such a blessing in my life. But my dad was a sales manager, and um, I'm a sales manager too. And, and it, can, it can have its stressful moments. So, you know, we all have different ways that we use to de-stress. And one of the ways my father would do it is he would come home from work, and he would, on, on the dining room table, he, was, he, he would get these, thousand-piece puzzles, and um, he was good at it. You know, I would go up there as a child, and, and I'd look at what Dad was doing, and, you know, everything looks blue to me, and everything looks the same, and, and, but I was just amazed how, how he could methodically, you know, put, put these puzzles together, and um, 
get them done. And, you know, I, I was really good at the end at deconstructing the puzzle and putting it back in the box. So, anyways, I was recently thinking about my dad and about the puzzles and how the process of putting together a puzzle relates to our Christian lives and it relates to the church that I'd like to share with you today. So let me start with this. A, um, a, a puzzle always starts with a dark background, kind of like a backdrop. And it's much like our lives that we're born into a black drop backdrop called sin. We're born into sin. And Genesis 1-2 says, the earth was formless and void. Isn't it interesting, in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created. The very first thing that we learn about our God is that he's creative. As a creator, he's distinct from his creation. I want you to notice how the earth was formless and void and how it doesn't say that heaven was formless and void. The earth needed a lot more work done to it, just like our lives need a lot more work done to it. And I find it interesting that God in the first three days shapes his creation, and in the next three days he fills our creation. And our lives are like that puzzle. They start with a background that is formless and void. Then we have pieces that are emptied out onto a background, and it starts with creating the borders that shape our lives. Aren't you glad that God began creation with the end in mind? In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Our light is to shine in the midst of a dark world. The light is through Christ Jesus, the light of the world, rescuing his people from the darkness of sin, and all this according to the perfect plan that God drew up from the beginning of time. I want to move on to where the pieces in the puzzle are getting dropped onto the back backdrop. It kind of looks like this. It's just you just drop it. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I sometimes feel like like I was just dropped on this earth. Praise God, it says, and God knows the plans that I have for you. We don't want to have any lost pieces. So Isaiah. 29.15 says this, And the works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? Aren't you glad that God always sees you and God always knows you? It doesn't matter where you are. God sees you. God knows you. And aren't you more glad that the Holy Spirit can guide us and give us the spirit of wisdom that we so need in our lives. We all search 
like this puzzle pieces for purpose in our lives at some point. I, I, I'm always amazed. I was talking to Jeremy. I'm amazed how this world pushes high school kids that are about their ninth and 10th grade to make a decision on their college major and what they want to do in life. So we're taking a 14-year-old and say, what do you want to be? And the world just pushes you. You know, the world pushes you in an area where money can bring you happiness. God's word, on the other hand, focuses on seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and allowing all these other things like money to be added. We were made for connection. You know, we got all these loose pieces here. We need connection. We were made in the image of God. God's word said it's not good for man to be alone. That's why we were made for relationship. People's fast-moving lives have caused, caused a lot of disruption in many of our relationships. I want you to think about this scenario. We can come home from working all day, drive into our garage, close our electric garage door opener, and step into our hiding place that we call home without even so much as waving to our neighbor. Is that relationship? Companies around the world are laying down miles and miles of fiber optics and shooting up satellites in space to allow the world to be more connected. But is it really working? We are calling, texting, and FaceTiming in record numbers. Even with that going on, don't you feel like we're more disconnected than ever? I truly believe that loneliness is a pandemic of this generation. Getting people Connected with God and the church is the best solution of this particular pandemic, in my opinion. You know, what, what Christ did while he was here in the physical body, he wants us to do through the church. In Romans 12, verses 4 through 5 in the Living Bible, it says this, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes each one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs each other. We are the body of Christ here on earth. We are his hands and feet. We are needed in this body of Christ. You know, being part of the body of Christ means that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. And if we don't play our specific part that God has planned for us, the mission of the church is impacted in a negative way, I might add. When we put together a puzzle, every piece makes up the whole. Every joint and peace supplies. I, like many of you, are so quick to think when putting together a puzzle that the pieces are missing. 
I experienced that frustration when I was putting the puzzle. There's got it. I can't find the piece. Where is it? And, you know, missing pieces in the puzzle as well as our lives lead to that disappointment. You know, disappointment is what happens when your expectations fall short of what you're experiencing right now. You know, we need to trust in the maker and creator of the puzzle. God's empowering grace will fill any gap or missing pieces in our lives if we would just wait and be patient. 1 Timothy 3, verses 15 in the God's Word translation says this, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You know, there's a lot of messages about the cross, but I think one of the main messages when I look at the cross is about this horizontal relationship that we have with God, but we can't forget the vertical relationship we're supposed to have with other people, especially other believers. And being part of a church family means that we should love and accept one another. And just as my natural family growing up did not always approve of everything that I did or have done or said or my behavior, they love me anyways through it all. That same scenario needs to be present here in the church. There may be times that we don't approve of one's behavior. There may be times when people get offended. We need to address the behavior, forgive the offense, and love the person through it all. Every one of you is an important piece of the puzzle and the plan that God has for us in this body in the church. And our focus needs to be on knowing God, growing in God, serving God, and sharing God. Sounds a lot like the mission statement here at RLC, by the way. After we dump the puzzle pieces out of the box, you need to take the time to turn the pieces over. I don't know if I've ever flipped it where everything was like, it's usually a mixed bag, but when I, when I was reading about the, the flipping over, I, I was led to Acts chapter 17, and it's a story about Paul and Silas. They were flipping lives over with the message of the gospel of Christ. You know, people were seeing Paul and Silas coming, and things were happening. They were seeing social barriers being broken down, prison doors opening, people actually caring for one another, people worshiping God like never before. And Paul and Silas were having such an influence on this. Their presence when they came in was just shaking things up. In, in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Guess what? They just came to my city. You know, the world needs to be turned upside down and transformed for the renewing of the minds towards Christ. It's God's word that transforms lives. 
Every time someone believes in the gospel, the world is turned upside down for the good. That's why we call it the good news. Getting transformed is like becoming a parent for the first time. I was thinking about Taylor and Shelby and their little baby Levi. And before they had this baby, they used to be free to sleep in, go wherever they wanted to go, and have free time alone together. Then they had a baby and your entire world is turned upside down. You are up all hours of the night. You're exhausted. The baby constantly needs you. But you know something? You don't mind because that baby has transformed you. And you've given a new life, a new purpose, a new meaning. You will gladly give up your rights for the good of the child. Amen? You know, believing in the gospel is a little bit like that. As a new Christian, your world is turned upside down before you have a firm foundation to be built right side up. I mean, when I was a, a, a new Christian as a, as a teenager, my, my mom would always tell me that, like, Dennis, you can't be on the fence. You can't, you can't be in the world and go out with all your friends and do stuff you shouldn't be doing. And then you go to the Bible study the next day, you're going back and forth. And that's how our lives get sometimes. We get, we get confused because we go back and forth between the world and what God wants us to do. You know, we need to be transformed. I needed to get transformed to change. And I needed to change to, to do what, what was right. And, you know, you do your best to figure out the gospel and what it means for your life. And it's very hard at first. As a new Christian, it's very hard. You have to align your faith your life by faith in God's word and you allow him to start ordering your steps. You start making good decisions. That's what, you know, being a Christian is about making good decisions. It's not about challenging yourself that you got to read the Bible from cover to cover like in one week. You, you need to take bits at a time and then slowly you build yourself up. You build yourself up by your most holy faith. That's what the word of God says. And it's the best walk you will ever take. You will experience love and peace and joy that can't be taken away. You are in a new kingdom now that's right side up. After turning over the pieces, we start by connecting the edge pieces. If you look at this, you, you, you see that our, that our lives need framing. Our, our lives need boundaries. God began this world by framing it into existence. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Healthy boundaries define expectations and show respect towards others, our leaders, and those in authority. I was reading in 1 Peter 2.17 in the Passion Translation, and it says, recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and holy awe of God. Honor your rulers. Another aspect of boundaries has to do with taking responsibility of our own lives. 
God gives us freedom to choose to live within his boundaries or outside his boundaries. Living inside God's boundaries brings blessings and outside them brings consequences. Adam and Eve had one boundary in the Garden of Eden. Abstain from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord gave them freedom to remain within his bounds, but they chose to overstep that boundary and sinned and went right after that tree. Their response to God's revelation of their sin was to blame someone else rather than take responsibility for their lack of self-control. Eve blamed Satan, Adam blamed Eve, and the blame game as we know it today just started. Boundaries can help us bear fruit by submitting to God's will and allowing God and his enabling grace to help us make godly choices in life. After the borders are complete, it's time to complete the middle pieces, the, the, the wilderness pieces, the, the blue sky that's hard to connect or the brown earth that's hard to connect. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 in the Living Bible, it says this, yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. God so loved the world that he sent his son to have common ground with man. Think about this thought. Jesus lowered himself with this world to connect with this world. Thank you, Jesus. God may be asking you today if you really love the world. As a Christian, a follower of Christ, are you willing to love and connect with a world that might not love you back? Jesus did, and we should also. Many choose not to connect with other believers because we prejudge others. There's a lot of judging going on today by non-Christians and Christians alike. We judge others. We judge how the church should be run. We judge how the leaders should lead the world. We judge how people look. We judge how they dress. We judge how they act. The list of judging goes on and on. You know, think about this. Even social media makes it easier to judge others and get on the bandwagon of those who enjoy judging others. I mean, we, can, we, can do, we could do a like. You know, I, I just have a word. With, with Christians, we need to avoid this broad path of judging that will lead to destruction. Because God's word says, judge not, lest you be judged. And we don't want that to happen. And I just want to say this, if you happen to be someone who is getting judged, 
it's you need to be strong on the Lord and the inside. You need to have that confidence that you're a child of God. You need to care about more about what God says about you than what the world says about you. You are loved. You are chosen. You're the one that Christ died for, and you have a great future and a hope, every one of us. It's real important as a church that we need to love the world. We need to connect with other believers and quit feeling like we can be the Lone Rangers. And I'll say this much, Christian TV is not a substitute for church, by the way. God, wants, God has a church for everyone to be plugged into and be active in. We need to exercise compassion and forgiveness and think the best of all men. It's important that we pray for those in authority, for the spirit of wisdom, and for them to hear God. It's not about judging our leaders, it's about praying for our leaders. And I hope with this being National Week of Prayer that that is heavy on our mind. We need to pray for our leaders. Quit judging them, pray for them. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, we need to encourage each other to connect. In Proverbs uh, 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. When I read that verse, I think of believers connected so deeply that they're literally power sanding each other's rough edges. We, th there's a lot of things in the body of Christ that we need to smooth out because some of us come with really sharp edges. And when men and women get together and share their weaknesses and they pray for one another and they encourage one another, both people begin changing. One of the things I try to instill in life care is we need to operate on that principle. When you come to a life care and get together with other believers, we encourage you to, everyone has weaknesses. It's a, it's a very private meeting where, where you can share your weaknesses. And by sharing those weaknesses, we get a chance to pray for one another. And by praying for one another, we get to encourage one another. And guess what happens? Both people get blessed. The leaders get blessed. You'll be blessed. And it's important that we have that type of interaction. Because love is a choice. Good works is work done for the good of others. We need to think the absolute best of others and give and bless others whenever and wherever you can. Look for opportunities to sow into people's lives. Look for opportunities where you can bless somebody, not that you get the credit, but that God would get the credit. And I have a question for all Christians. Do we understand that we're in a war? 
we are part of the army of God. There is a reason it speaks in Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God. We have people that are withdrawing from the army of God like a soldier in battle that lags behind the rest of the platoon and becomes a very easy target for the enemy. And you may be a soldier that has been hurt or offended, maybe because somebody judged you or maybe because you weren't treated right. And it's important that if, if you feel that way, if you feel you've been judged, you feel you've been rejected, and it's, it's so easy to sweep it under the rug and run away from it. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I won't go to be at God's church. And I read a great scripture that someone helped me find in Jeremiah 6, 13, in the Living Bible that says, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Yet the priests and prophets give assurances of peace when all is war. You need to meet with fellow believers you trust and move towards the process of getting healed. Your fellow believers can't apply the medicine that's needed or the scripture that's needed for healing and forgiveness until they understand what the wound is. We can't, as a body of believers, keep things within us. We need to, if, if you're hurting or you're dealing with unforgiveness or you have an offense, don't just keep it in. Let someone know about that you trust, that loves you unconditionally, and that can work on your behalf to get it healed. Allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal any past wounds that you have in your lives. All of us have them. And we shouldn't feel like, like you know, everything, we got to keep everything a secret. We need, to, we need to open up. The body of Christ needs to get healed. And when we're healed, we'll be such a much stronger body. So what does the puzzle mean in relation to the church? For the past two years, this world and everything in it, including the church, has been a puzzle. And it's been much more than just finding a vaccine to combat COVID. We are in uncharted circumstances. We are in a rapidly changing, complicated point in history. It's difficult to make a statement that we're returning to normal. I mean, I was talking to my wife. The, the only thing that I know is normal is a setting on the dryer. <laughs> and the good news as we're sitting here is God knows the plans. We are where God wants us to be at this very moment. Every experience is part of his divine plan. And you may be experiencing anxieties, but understand anxieties are temporary. God's grace is everlasting. God may be moving in ways that we don't fully understand right now. Sometimes we got to take a step back and be still and know that he's God. And he'll, you'll allow him to calm the storms in your hearts. I just want to show 
this this picture here it was it was this when when I saw this this reminded me a lot of where churches are right now. They're about seventy five percent complete. We have pieces that aren't in place. We have some jagged edges that aren't connected properly. And I was reminded back in 1994 when I joined Resurrection Life Church, I went through a new members class and I was given a book written by Tom Pierce called Fit, Function, and Flourish. Maybe many of you have that book also. But fitting is about having the right size, like hopefully your clothes are, are on right now. Fitting is about being in harmony and spirit and of one accord. Fitting is to join closely together. In Ephesians 4.16, it says, From the whole body fitted, joined together, and compacted by which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of that body unto the edifying of itself in love. Christ forms us as a church like a puzzle into one body. We are a group of individuals in God's church who are united in their purpose and in their love for one another and the Lord. If one person stumbles, the rest of the group is there to pick the person up and get them back onto God's path. If a person sins, we are there to help them get forgiven and restored in love. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says this, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. All believers are placed right where God wants them so that they might serve effectively together. An example of this is going on right now as Miss Lynn is assembling a team of servants to minister to our children this summer at VBS. Please pray for that. I, I, we are expecting uh, kids to be blessed, for teams to be assembled, to work in harmony and unity, and be right, right connected with what God wants us to do. Because we, we truly believe there's a divine order to everything. You know, as a church, we need to be reminded of what God has been talking to us about in Micah 6.8 and where our priorities should be. And I just want you to, to look at this side of the banner here of the verse. And I just got some questions in regards to that. Because are we doing what is right to other people or is our focus going to be always on what benefits me? Are we going to be kind to other people or are we going to step on anybody that we can step on to climb the ladder of success? Are we going to live humbly and gentle of heart or are we going to allow that pride to rise up in our spirit? Are we going to obey God and his word? Or are we going to read the Ten Commandments as though they were the Ten Suggestions? God wants our lives to change. I've heard it said that church should be a hospital for our soul. 
We should be experiencing real relationships where we are caring for one another. Every one of us should feel like we belong. Every one of us should feel loved, valued, and appreciated. We need to be reminded that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's, not, it's about the performance of Jesus, not the performance of us. Jesus is a friend that stays closer than a brother. I'm reminded how God even hears us in our prayers if we have a one-bar connection. Sometimes if we're, we don't even feel like we're connected, God still hears us. God hears the, the heart of your cry. I mean, you might be dealing with stuff today and just share it with God like you're talking to someone. That's what prayer is. Prayer, prayer is asking God to get involved. And when God's your friend, speak to him like a friend. He hears. He knows. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a friend that you just want to dump everything on. It's a, it's a friend that you want to talk back and forth with. That's what prayer is. I just want to show this is the picture of the completed picture of the puzzle that I was working on. And it, it really blessed me. It caught my eye because it, it just reminded me of the, the weeks and months heading up to Easter of where my focus needed to be. Because Jesus has risen. You know, is the message of his resurrection still resonating in your life today? I know it's been a few weeks since Resurrection Sunday, but I hope you're still focused on Christ's finished work at the cross because it means so much to our lives. Rising, you know, I, I, I just want to take a, a moment to speak on where Jesus arose and ascended three different times. I didn't say three days. He, he actually rose three times during his last days here on earth. And rising is moving from one level to another level. The Bible speaks about going from faith to faith and glory to glory. And the first time that we see Jesus rising is in Luke 23, 46. And it says, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. This was at the point where Jesus was showing absolute dependence on God the Father. And I, I was reading as, as, as the, the, where it says, I commend my spirit. I found it interesting that there was two other spots in the word of God that speaks about other people that committed their spirit. In Psalms 31.5, David says, into your hand I commit my spirit. David was speaking about his complete trust in God. In the New Testament, in Acts 7.59, we see Stephen, who is getting stoned to death for his faith in God. And he said these words, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Stephen was showing confidence in death that he was simply passing from God's earthly care over to God's eternal care. And the next example I wanted to show you of Jesus' rising was in his last days on earth. And it's, it's when the, um, the lady showed up at the tomb and, and in Matthew 28, 6 it says, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as you said it would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Jesus' bodily resurrection shows us that a living Christ is ruler of God's eternal kingdom. We can be certain of our resurrection because he was resurrection. Death is not the end. The power that brought Jesus back to life is available to us to bring our spiritually dead selves back to life. I don't know about you, but there's, there's times that I, I need to get resurrected. I need, my spirit needs to get lifted up. And, and God, through Jesus, allows that to happen. And I, wanna, I want you to notice in this verse how it says, just as he said, it would happen. Believers need to remember what Jesus said. We need to pay close attention to what's written and read in the Word of God. We need to remember his teaching, his miracles, his parables, his prayers, his promises, his forgiveness, his love, his hope. That list goes on and on when we start talking about what Jesus said here. And it's all in red. And I just encourage you to, to when, when you're reading the Bible and it's in red, slow down. It's important. Because what Jesus said 2,000 years ago is alive today. Amen. And the third rising of Jesus is after he turned to the disciples and said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, isn't this interesting? I, I mean, I mean... Jesus comes back, he's with the disciples, and, and it's almost like he's saying, okay, it's your turn. It's our turn. Go into the uttermost parts of the earth. It's time for you to continue what I started. Are we ready to do that? I just want to encourage, you know, the, the outermost parts of the earth for us might be Floyd. <laughs> You know, don't, don't look at it like I got I to gotta go on a mission trip to t tell people about Jesus. I mean, you, you go where Jesus wants you to go. But never be ashamed to bring up the gospel of Christ, you know, in the place you work. I, I, I mean, I, I work in a place, and, and you got to be careful, but I mean, you, 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 can share, you can share God's word. Sometimes you don't share the address, but you can share God's word. And it's interesting to me that after he says that he, re, he was received up into heaven. I mean, he not only went up, he was received. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And with that being said, Jesus was now in equal position, honor, power, and authority with God. What Jesus did was so awesome. I mean, we can never... Repay him. It's, it's, it's amazing what he did for you and I. And because of what Jesus did, 
God wants us to arise and shine for our light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And I was, I was searching the internet and I found this uh, rendition of John 12, 24. And I, I found it interesting what it says here on the bottom. I mean, Jesus had to ask himself, keep my life or give my life? His death produced life. His death produced life in us. His death made it access that we can receive the Holy Spirit within us. It's such a blessing. And in, in reading John 12, 24, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in, my, in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. God so loved the world that he gave or sowed his only son. Jesus was planted into this world so that Christians everywhere could be raised up with him and be like him. Think about this. A seed or kernel of wheat is sown into the ground, and while, the ground, while, while it's in the ground, it casts off its outer shell or physical body or casts off, let's say it another way, it casts off the sin nature and then the true life, the middle life, the spirit, the soul, which is within, rises up and pushes its way to the ground and becomes the spiritual body it was meant to be. It pushes up so it can go above the ground and grow fruit. Think about that. We need to desire to create an environment within our heart and spirit to receive the seed of God's word and move towards the harvest God intends us to have. We need to be people that gladly receive the word of God with a noble and honest heart and then obey what, the, what God's word says. We need to study the word to understand its implications and applications within our own lives. We need to accept God's word and seek to bear fruit. Our heart condition is the soil. When our heart is aligned with God's word, it produces a demand on the seed to shed our fleshly outward coat and pushes our spirit up to grow and to bear fruit. And that what's, that's what needs to happen. We need to plant to grow. I just want to end a little bit with this, with a verse that I read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says this, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Notice the word us. Notice the word together. The gospel is a partnership between God and us. It's God's super joined with our natural. We need to align ourselves with him and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ and members individually. We need to go out and create environments that will bear much fruit. What God has been faithful to start in you 
he will be faithful to finish. And I have a question for you. How is the condition of your heart today? You need to prepare your heart to receive the thing that God desires to place in your heart. There's preparation that's needed. And that preparation in all of us starts with inviting Jesus into our heart. Jesus stands at the door and waiting patiently for us to knock and be invited into God's kingdom. Every door represents a decision and a choice. The Bible talks about choose this day who you'll serve. Will you make that choice to invite Jesus into your heart? Will you soften your heart to receive the seed that Jesus wants to place within you? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's really that simple to enter the door of eternal life. If you haven't done this before, I encourage you to bow your heads and repeat these words. And I also encourage those online. Dear God, thank you for sending your son to come to earth to live the life I could not live, to be an example that I could not achieve, to be an the sacrifice for my sins. Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I ask that you be Lord of my life and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've shared that prayer for the first time, please let one of our ushers know on the way out. For our online viewers, please take the time to go on to our website at reslifeny.org and scroll down a little ways until you see the prayer request form. Fill out that and let us know that you prayed to be saved today and the church will be more than happy to follow up with you. I also want to, you may be a, a church member here. And I've said some things that are encouraging or maybe challenging to you. And God's stirring in some things to you to, to, to just be more connected. You know, God doesn't want surface Christian. He wants Christians that are committed. He wants the body of Christ to everybody on deck. And it's important to understand the body of Christ needs you and what you have to bring to complete the puzzle. And I just desire for you to, to, to take the step to move in that direction. It, it may be in your heart to, to just be, be more plugged in. It, it just just a, a, an increased desire to be more involved in the body of Christ.
And if that's you, I just, I just want everybody to bow their heads. If you could just slip up your hand. And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for the church. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for your church, your body, your vessel to seek and save the lost, your vessel to make better disciples. I pray for an increased connection with your church, more forgiveness, more appreciation, more harmony, more love. I thank you for an increased effectiveness for your glory amongst the body of believers here. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to close by praying for, for everyone. And Lord, I just pray that you would seal this word in our hearts. I thank you for loading your people with benefits daily so that they can do exceedingly above and beyond all you could ask or hope for. You are the God of blessing that desires to pour more into our lives every day. Let us be thankful and grateful for all you do and be ready to share with others. And we just thank you this day for directing our steps, for being the lamp under our feet, to guiding us in where should we go. And we just thank you for your son who died on the cross for us and gave his life for us so that we could live. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a blessed day.